Today's reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 20. Can't really see this. 27. 27 to 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you want to grab your Bible, Colin? I'm just going to keep going, um, just to, to, the, to the end of uh, verse 31. Um, clearly, we need to have some light here so that we can actually see what... No, don't worry. It's totally fine. Uh, it's one of the great things about uh, starting a new church is we learn things as we go. and We can keep improving things. But So let's just keep going uh, from verse 29. Sorry, no, don't worry. No, it's fine. No, it's, it's okay. Don't worry. No, it's fine. We're safe by grace, Colin. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Well, let's just pray, shall we, as we come to God's word, that he would give us understanding Father, we thank you and praise you so much for the fact that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world, that he taught about himself, how he is good news for the world, good news for each and every one of us here this morning. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are alive, that you are with us, that you can teach us. So please, would you give us hearts that are ready to hear and believe and obey your good news. For your glory's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be uh, celebrating our second birthday as a church. And it's uh, no accident, I don't think, that when we started uh, a couple of years ago, we started a series on the five solas, the five onlys of the Christian gospel. Only by faith can we be saved. Only by grace can we be saved. Only in Jesus Christ can we be saved. And this is all through the scriptures alone. Only the Bible tells us how to be saved. And it's only for God's glory alone. So the worst thing we could do in celebrating our second birthday is not give all the glory to God. Not for it to be all about him. And it's appropriate, therefore, that we're looking at this part of the book of Romans, as we've been working through it over the last few weeks, 
it answers this basic question. How can you, how can I, be right with God? Of course, our contemporary world will have a variety of views. Perhaps the dominant view in our culture is, there is no God, so don't be silly. You don't need to worry about being right with him. Get on with your life. There's various religious options. Do X, Y, or Z, and then you'll be right with God. It's down to you. Just pick the right one. There's various mystical or experiential options. Experience X or Y or Z, and then you will be one with the divine. How can we be right with God? How can you be right with God? How can I be right with God? It's not a question that you probably come across very often in conversation. But there is a question that is on everybody's lips at the moment in our culture, which is linked to it. How can I accept myself? How can I be true to who I am and yet proud in who I am? Well, 505 years ago, on the 31st of October, a monk nailed some theological statements on a church door that gave rise to what is now called the Reformation. Uh, many were burnt at the stake just down the road at Colchester Castle, 22 in all. You can see their memorial in the town hall. And that was the central question then. How can we be right with God? On what basis? And the answer that Martin Luther gave, the answer that the Colchester martyrs died for, was it's by faith alone. Now we face different obstacles in our culture, but it's the same truth that inspires us, that inspired Mim and I to leave the Church of England uh, a few years ago, largely due to these words of Martin Luther. If I profess with loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ. However boldly I may be professing Christ, where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides as mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. See, the place where the battle rages at the moment is clearly and obviously to do with sexuality, gender, and marriage. It's not the question, how can I be right with God? But it is a related question, how can I accept myself as I am? And the answer to that question is the same as the answer to the question how we are right with God. Only through faith in Jesus Christ, not by accepting what comes out of our hearts. Now, I'm just going to recap a little bit for those of us um, who are visiting where we've got to so far in this question that Paul is addressing. How can we be right with God? And Paul has argued from Romans, so do just uh, have a look with me, from chapter 1, verse 18. He's begun by saying that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of, of people. He, he's saying that this is the situation we're all in. Whether we're Gentiles, those who, who don't have the Bible in that day, or, or, or Jews. 
He's saying, everybody knows God is there. Everybody is suppressing God's existence. Doesn't matter how much, and you could ask me about this later, people claim to be atheists. We're all natural atheists. We don't want God to interfere with our lives. And even though atheism is philosophically incoherent, that doesn't stop people believing it. And the Bible has recognized this for thousands of years. David said in Psalm 53, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's where Paul ends his argument in, in chapter 3. He, he puts together some quotes from Psalm 53 and various other parts of the Old Testament. Do listen to the other sermons if, if you doubt what, what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying is nobody is good enough for God. Chapter 3, verse 10, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. We're all in the same boat, whether we're Gentiles or Jews, whether we're those who've been brought up with the Bible or not. No one wants God involved in their lives. So what Paul is saying is, as we've been thinking, I, I'm not okay, Paul is saying of himself. You're not okay. Jesus can make us okay. And then we saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? It's not by our good deeds that we're made right with God. It's not like an accounting method. Do you remember this? It's not like we sort of tot up our good deeds and hope that they balance out our bad deeds. No. Why? Because no one has any good deeds that are acceptable to God. No one keeps the law. God doesn't cancel out murder because we don't commit adultery. God doesn't cancel out lust because we don't steal. That's not how it works. If we disobey the law in the smallest, tiniest way, we are not fit for heaven because God's standard for heaven is perfection. And everybody recognizes that they're not perfect. But that means no one is fit for the perfect place of heaven. So this is what Paul is arguing. He's saying all are under sin. And then the wonderful news we had last week. Wasn't it wonderful to look at these truths? Verse 21. So it's really helpful to Colin that you, you read this because we're looking at it now. Chapter 3, verse 21. But now, now, with the coming of Jesus, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from the Old Testament, although the law and the prophets did bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is, as we looked at last week, if we trust in Jesus, God gives us his moral perfection. We are clothed with it, just like Rachel put on that cardigan. We're given, we're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be thinking more about this in the, in the weeks to come. Uh, imagine that you are terribly in debt. Maybe some of us are. <laughs> you face a debt that there is no way out of. You can't pay it. it, it's crushing, it's debilitating. Even if you were to work the rest of your life, you're never gonna pay off this debt. And then you get a conversation with a guy, maybe at the bar over there, and uh, you ask who he is, and he says, oh yeah, I'm, my name's Jeff Bezos. And you realize that here is a multi-millionaire, multi, billionaire and then he adopts you into I know this is just crazy but he adopts you into his family because he wants to give you 
all his wealth, all your debts are settled, you'll be fabulously wealthy for the rest of your life. I know it's a crazy illustration. It's not going to happen. But God can give you his righteousness, his moral perfection. He can bring you into his family. Everything that will be inherited by his son, Jesus Christ, will be inherited by you. That's what righteousness by faith is about. God giving us his righteousness as we trust in Jesus. Now, two things uh, we're going to learn just from verses 27 to 31. The first is this. Faith in Jesus Christ alone brings an end to boasting. So don't boast. Faith in Jesus Christ alone, thinking about this doctrine, this teaching of uh, faith alone, faith in Jesus Christ alone brings an end to boasting. Let's just look. And we're going to go into some detail here because it's important that we look at the words because they're inspired by God in, in their original Greek. But the translation is good enough. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? If, if we're Christians here this morning, if we've trusted in Jesus Christ, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by that of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart, apart from works of the law. Now, we, we believe in verbal inerrancy, which means every word is inspired by God to help us understand what he's done for us in Jesus. So let's just look at this word by word. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. Boasting is not part of the Christian life. By what kind of law? Now, Paul here is using law as principle, like, you know, sod's law. Sod's principle, you know, when you drop your toast, it's going to land face down. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. So you have to pick all the jam out of the carpet. Principle. Paul is saying, look, faith sets up a principle. What is that principle? Well, he explains it in verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. See, the, the principle of faith means there's nothing to do with faith and works. They are separate. You know, when, when you get your pay slip, it's because you've worked for the money. And if, if they say, well, we're not going to give you the money, well, there's a question of justice there and fairness. It's not that principle. That's what Paul is saying. We hold that one is justified, declared right with God, innocent before God, by faith, apart from works of the Lord. Now, John, why are you laboring this? Well, because we constantly get this wrong. I get it wrong in my own life. Churches get this wrong. Paul is saying that people are justified or declared innocent before God on the day of judgment apart from the works of the law, apart from, and, and law here doesn't so much mean the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, it means apart from being morally good, being a nice person. It's not how we are right with God. I mean, how many people have you talked to who basically think, and I've talked to some atheists, who basically think, 
as I was saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly nice person, so even if there is a God, I'll be okay on the day of judgment. No, that's not how you will pass the judgment day. There's only one way, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ, because nobody keeps the law. It's, it's like horses and carts. Um, one of my daughters is into horse riding, and I'm not really into it. I can't understand why anybody would want to go near such dangerous beasts. Anyway, so... But, but at least I know that horses and cart, there's an order there. Horse, then cart, yeah? It's not cart and horse. And what Paul is saying is, faith pulls works. Faith is where the power, the energy is. Don't get them the wrong way round. It's a gift. Well, we saw that, didn't we? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace, God's over, overflowing generosity as a gift, a gift. It's free through the rescue that came by Christ Jesus, the, the propitiation, as we saw last week, he, him taking the judgment, the punishment that we deserve. It's a gift. Faith is a gift, so it can't be by works. You can't mix the two. You can't get a sort of horse and cart in, in the middle. See, being right with God is a gift that is received. It's not by works. It's apart from works. I mean, Christmas is coming up. I mean, how horrific would it be? And this is a, a wonderful illustration from Christianity Explored. If we were to give some gifts to our children or our grandchildren or our nieces and nephews, the children we love, and they turn around and say, well, how much do I owe you? How many chores do I need to do to, to pay you back? No, no, it's a gift. As soon as something needs to be worked for, it's no longer a gift. If it's a gift, it doesn't need to be earned. Faith is a gift. So boasting is excluded. I know children boast about the gifts they, they give them, but you get the idea. What Paul is arguing here is that if we're a Christian here this morning, we have been given the most unbelievable gift. We can't boast about it. And if we're not a Christian here this morning, we can receive something for free. That's way better than the billions that Jeff Bezos could give us. This is the gift that God wants to give people. But if we think that we're right with God by trying our hardest to be good, by working hard at being good, I'm afraid you've been misled. Jesus and his apostles have much better news than that. Being right with God, accepting yourself because God does, is about trusting Jesus. Even as Christians, which I guess is most of us here this morning, we can slip back into works, can't we? Can't we? <laughs> We're proud when things are going well, when we're serving faithfully, when life is together. We think somehow that our status with God is, is doubly assured because of what we're doing. I mean, we serve at this new church. And how good is that? That must be worth a few brownie points, mustn't it? But then when things fall apart, we doubt whether we can still be right with God. We are plunged into despair when we're aware of our sin. 
because we've forgotten that our status is not based on who we are and what we do, but on Jesus Christ and what he has done. There was never a moment when Jesus did not obey his heavenly father. He says that every word that came out of his mouth was exactly what God wanted him to say. Every word, every thought of Jesus Christ was perfection. He always loved God and he always loved other people. And we would turn away from that righteousness to our own righteousness, trusting in what we do rather than what Jesus can give us, the infinite riches of divine goodness, clothed, drenched upon us so that God looks at us as if we are his son Jesus, and he delights in us, and he loves us with the same love, John 17, that he had for his son before he created anything. Isn't that amazing? That God would look at us like that? So let, don't, don't be like me and, and turn back to works. We, we all do it, don't we? Trust in the works of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus. And... and we are a church that thinks there are red lines that mean that as Christians we cannot go along with the direction of all the major denominations in our culture as they embrace identity politics. And, and it is costly, is it not, to stand in this day and generation against that. I know many of us are seeking to do that in the workplace. But we're not to trust in the stand that we take or have taken. I think that's one of the lessons that I've been learning over the last few months. You know, my trust is not in being obedient in certain areas of my life. My boast is not standing up to mermaids, although thankfully it's now being recognized as probably the right thing to do. No. What is my trust to be in? What is your trust to be in? only one the righteousness of jesus christ faith in him alone so faith in jesus christ brings alone brings an end to boasting so so don't boast in past works whatever they might be you might have grown up as a christian you can see this wonderful life of obedience no jesus christ and his righteousness uh, and then secondly and and way more shortly because I'm conscious of time. Faith in Jesus Christ brings an end to division, so don't boast in your past identity. This is what Paul is saying in, in verses 29 to 31. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Doesn't matter what heritage we have, we're justified in the same way, by faith, whether we're circumcised or uncircumcised. See, this salvation by faith alone brings great unity amongst God's people if we all live in line with it. So our identity is not whether we've been brought up a Christian or not. Our identity is not whether we are male or female. Don't worry, I'm not backtracking. It, our identity when it comes to acceptance with God is not based on whether we are educated 
or illiterate, working class or upper class or middle class, mentally stable, mentally unstable, black or white, Asian or East Asian, you get the idea. There is no identity that defines us which is more important than the identity God gives us through faith in Jesus Christ. Because we are one. We're justified in the same way. I'm not okay. You're not okay. Only Jesus can make any of us okay. So who are we to judge others in church? It's where Paul is going in the rest of the book of Romans. John Newton said these words, which I think are very helpful. And we need to be on our guard for this. Unfortunately, it happens in lots of churches. Whatever it, forgive the old English, whatever it be that makes us trust in ourselves that we are comparatively wise or good, so as to treat those with contempt who do not subscribe to our doctrines or follow our party is proof and fruit of a self-righteous spirit. Being committed to salvation by faith alone means we're committed to utter equality amongst all the identities of our world. Faith in Jesus Christ alone brings an end to division, which we see out in our culture, don't we? But does that mean we can live how we like? Uh, no, says Paul. That, that's basically all he says in verse 31. <laughs> Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Does the fact that we have, uh, you know, we put the horse before the cart means there shouldn't be any cart. The fact that we are saved by faith alone means that, that, that there's no works. By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We uphold the moral code. I don't know how many of you are gardeners. But if I uh, suddenly dug up a pear tree or, or a plum tree that I planted last year in the garden, you can see them a little later on, and, and try to sort of upend them so that the roots were up and the fruit was down in the ground, uh, I'd clearly lost my mind. And if we think that works are the basis on which we, we, we are healthy in our Christian life, we're doing a similar kind of thing. We're putting the cart before the horse. We're thinking that the roots produce the fruit. No, salvation by faith alone means an end to boasting. And it means an end to division and judgmentalism. So let's not get the order wrong. Because if we get the order wrong, we'll be boastful, judgmental, contemptuous of other Christians. And that's not what Jesus came for. He came to give us the most amazing gift of his righteousness. But that means we're all equal before him. We're one in God. Let's just pray as we close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you so much that you saw the situation that we are in, in our sin and our feeble efforts to do what is good. And so you sent your son Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve and to give us his perfect righteousness, righteousness of God, righteousness from God. Lord, forgive us that we so easily 
turn to our own petty, pathetic righteousness rather than his. And help us afresh to put our faith in Jesus alone, apart from our good works.